for the opportunity to hear and understand your word. Father, I take authority over every deaf spirit, every spirit that would hinder our ears, every a spirit of confusion causing our minds to wander and not focus on your word today. Father, I banish them all from this place. They're not welcome here. And we want to hear and receive and obey the word of God that you give us to hide in our hearts. And we thank you for this opportunity to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Praise God. All right. So today, last time we, well, this should have been last month, but the weather did not permit us. Amen. We we had to bow to that one. Usually we just uh, plow through. I I know that that's always been true of us. I remember some really really tough snowstorms, and God always brought us through. This one was pretty difficult, so we decided to temporarily. But you know we're not just giving in to bad weather. You know that get to be a habit after a while. And I don't want any habits like that. I don't know about you, but um, I'm not foolish either. But I know that God goes with us when we have peace about that. But uh, the uh, I think the month before that, we talked about uh, uh, was about the warrior. What did we say? What every warrior should know. We did that one. And so today we're going to talk about the fact that the warrior must be a worshiper. Amen. You just can't fight all the time. Everybody gets sick of fight. My goodness. But uh, part of your um, uh, your allegiance to God and your ability to receive from God to be successful as a warrior depends on you obeying the laws of worship and you putting worship as a priority in your life. Uh, I know there are... Uh, Back in the day when, when I first started in, in the things of God and in ministry, early in ministry, uh, people were known to cast devils. We saw devils under every couch, you know, and uh, when you're first learning these things, everything's a devil and the spirit of this and spirit of that and spirit of that. And, da, da, da. and a lot of it wasn't revelation knowledge and a lot of it wasn't from unction, but God was training people to understand um, the spiritual side of warfare and how to keep your warfare effective by keeping it in the realm of the spirit. And so that part of it was very, very uh, important for us to learn is how to walk in the spirit with God so that you were uh, ready for battle at all times. I remember uh People having to remember Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. And they would say stuff like, uh, uh, I get up every morning and I put my armor on. And they would even have uh, uh, recite with me. I put on my this. I put on my. And I was standing there thinking about it. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to humble myself. And God said, I never told you to take it off. He said, why are you sitting up there putting something on? I never told you to take off. And so I quit doing <laughs> these little silly recitation things. I mean, they're okay in their place, but that's really not how this works. And uh, that's not the most effective way to be a warrior for God. And so we found that worship was extremely important in walking in the spirit. 
And so it's extremely important in being an effective warrior for God. Now, I know many of you have run into people who have more flesh trying to cast out devils out of people. You've, you've made the mistake of jumping in somebody's prayer line. You know what I mean. The ones who give you the barf bag and they think if you get delivered, you're supposed to throw up. Now, if y'all ain't been there, thank God for it because you were spared some stuff. But uh, there's unless and if you're doing that now, you just really need to pray about it. That's all I'm saying about that. But you know what I'm saying. I just me myself, I don't like cleaning puke off the carpet, so I make them stop that. But you throw up in here. Make nobody throw up. Nonsense. We we pay good money for the cheap carpet. You know whatever. And uh, you know they must obey you no matter what you tell them to do. See, you don't need a physical manifestation to know somebody's delivered. Well, I'm going to move on from that. I'm not going to park there too long. (laughs) Anywho. But uh, being a worshiper of God, is extremely important to keep your power in the realm of a spirit. You don't want to be half in the spirit and half in the flesh and yanking people and hollering real loud and, um, you know, a lot of antics and shenanigans to take authority over the devil. The less, less flesh you can have involved in these maneuvers, the more effective they are. And the more powerful they are. And, and so these are things that, that you have to learn uh, as you go. And that's why we're here. We're here to learn and we're here to train in how to be effective in the things of God. In Exodus 23, uh, let me see, 23:25. Let me see what that says. And it says, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and he will take sickness away from the midst of you. That word serve is also worship. Amen. So a worshiper is a servant of God. God doesn't have any hired people. He has people who serve. We are on the job 24-7. And we we serve at his pleasure. You don't serve when you have time and you call. That's not a servant. If you're calling the shots, you don't have a clue what servant means. You're just a drop in and drop out. But if you worship the Lord, he will bless. The blessing upon you will, will even fall on what you ingest. He will and to to bring health to you. So, uh, you know, I think it's Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So when you bless the Lord, you are actually working, I mean, worshiping the Lord. So when you bless him, let your soul bless the Lord. Let your your spirit man is is in, in energized by the spirit of God. It's your soul that gets you in trouble sometimes. 
you can have the word of God coming out of your heart. But then if your mind is not renewed to grab onto that word and receive it, you'll just it'll just be some kind of little exercise you did and you walk away and you're not changed. So you want your soul to bless God. You want your thoughts to bless God. You want your thoughts to be of God. And then that way you train your mind to remember his benefits who forgives all your iniquities. And who heals all your diseases. Amen. So, and they say diseases because they know there are many that will afflict us, but God delivers us out of them all. Amen. So there is nothing. God is not scared of the word cancer. He's not scared of when they say it's incurable. Well, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. So when you bless the Lord and remember his benefits, remember that nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's impossible with him. Nothing's off limits to you if you're a servant and a worshiper of God. If you're a person who who offers things up to God, just just in in understanding who he is, giving him reverence and, and giving him respect. If you're a person who lives like that, then you're entitled to be blessed greatly as a as a worshiper. That's part of what worship is. It's making that offering to God, acknowledging him first, understanding that he is the one that provides everything for you. And he is one who is worthy of praise. Nobody else has done what God has done for us. So the word worship is from the uh, uh, Hebrew. If you, those of you study the, the the Hebrew, it's a strong 7812 word. It's <clears throat> shaka, and it means to bow, to prostrate oneself. That means get low with it. Go low. Amen. To stoop, to do reverence as you would to royalty. Amen? It means to serve, to bow. Worshippers are very respectful people than God. They don't flaunt the fact that they understand God or that they have an anointing and God shows up when they open their mouths. You know what I'm saying? They, they hold that in very deep and high esteem. It means to bow or curtsy or stand in awe of, man. Just, you know, when you get in the presence of God, don't have a whole lot to say. You know, that that awesomeness about God must come upon us. When one is a warrior, reverence for God must be adopted. You've got to respect him because that's where your power comes from. Worship keeps us connected to God. In a very powerful way. This reverence for God must be adopted and it takes training. It is not automatic. We're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And knowing how to respond to God and how to reverence God is never automatic. It must We must be trained into it. I've found that over the years I have more respect and more caution in dealing with the things related to God than I did when I was a younger Christian. 
Many people think after you, you know, like in a marriage, for instance, if you don't continue to do things to respect one another, that familiarity will start to breed some kind of contempt or some kind of um, casualness. You don't ever want to be casual with God. You don't ever want to develop the latest slang term um, or Christian cliche that you hear in reference to God. You, you have to have to keep that reverence and respect there. In Exodus 3, if you'll turn there, we're talking about learning and understanding the ways of God, learning how to respect him and learning how to reverence him. Exodus, ah, here it is, 3 and verse 5. Now, we know Moses' story. He was uh, Israelite who was had a death sentence over him when he was born. All the Hebrew baby boys were supposed to be um, killed. They weren't supposed to be born, but the midwives overrode that and had the babies born alive anyway. You know, I know there have been some, some women working in these abortion clinics who have done that from time to time, and then they passed the law that now when they come out of before they even exit totally the birth canal they can sever the spinal cord and kill them and so it's been really hard to save lives um, from from the abortion mill you understand what i'm saying i mean this is just true uh it's not a political thing it's a spiritual thing because amen because the the witchcraft power that's released in shedding innocent blood is is what, why you see the chaos in the world now and we didn't have that when we had respect and you know the catholic church was big at building orphanages to house babies that people didn't want to you know save and keep in their own families etc cetera, etc cetera. now we've gotten so casual about it the baby parts are are sold um it's genocide by choice for a lot of races of people because in washington dc in that area where our government sits which might explain some things that you see coming out of government but there are more african-american babies aborted than born live now in that area that shouldn't be you know it was always uh african-american people have had a history uh with the church and loving god if there's you know, base sister ain't but 14 and she pregnant. Well, we going to have a baby. It ain't right. God don't approve of it. But look at the good he's bringing out of it. We got a baby and we go keep the baby and take care of it. That's, that's what was done. You, you did the right thing, even if it was a wrong thing involved. There's always a right thing to do when there's a wrong thing involved. So Moses was in that that generation. They should not have been here. Amen. There's a lot of kids now in that generation. God has spared them. They would have been aborted, but he has spared them. And so when Moses was was he was given, uh, his parents hid him until he started crying too much and they couldn't hide him anymore. So the parents put him in, uh, built a little uh, ark of uh, of uh, twigs and, and uh, 
bulrushes is what they were called and it was a little bit more of a sturdy type of plant and so they set that thing in the river the Nile and he floated right by Pharaoh's daughter see the things of God are no accident you do the right thing and God will take up for you and that child will wind up in the right place he'll wind up living a life that God can approve of and so Moses is fished out of the water and he grows up as royalty in the palace of Pharaoh and that was no accident either when Moses got to be a grown-up his heart started to long for the Hebrew people and he saw two Hebrews abusing one another and he went off and and wound up uh, um, there was an Egyptian beating one of them and he wound up killing that Egyptian and hit his body in the sand when he found out they knew about it he escaped and went to Midian where he stayed for 40 years had married had kids all that kind of stuff while he was there he happens to marry a man who is a priest this man you know people back in the day they didn't have religion like we have it you know you just stuck your hand up or you start chanting or you did something but you tried to contact God And so he was a priest of Midian, and he may have been in touch with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't know. But anyway, Moses wound up marrying his daughter. And so while Moses was was, um, serving uh, his father-in-law and serving that family in Midian, God decides to visit him. So when God ordains your life for a purpose, he will show up one day and begin to talk to you about what that is. In 3 verse 1, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire but it was not consumed and Moses said I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt so God knows how to get your kids attention he knows how to get your husband's attention your your intended husband's attention your intended wife's attention knows everybody's attention and when the Lord saw that he turned aside you got to give God your full attention to get him to respond to you. You got me? When Moses turned aside he, to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, draw not near here. Put the shoes off your feet, for the place where are you standing is holy ground. Yeah. Now, we all have to be taught what's holy not holy right not right what's profane what's this is a learning process and learning the ways of god but god will certainly instruct us and teach us we have to have enough respect for god to want to make sure that we know what we're doing You know, I can't reiterate that enough. I can remember when people would know they were called of God and be so scared and, and, uh, you know, just, oh, God, I don't think I can do it. It's just like Moses did. God keeps telling Moses what he's going to do, and he says, I don't think so. I don't think you got the right guy. 
I don't think you, you know, and I'm not saying if that's not what's in your heart, sometimes people expect and understand. You know, them, like them preacher kid people who's always running from God. You know, I can, I can sniff them out of, I mean, I can be in the, uh, a graveyard with dead bodies smelling and can sniff out a preacher's kid running from God. You understand what I'm saying? Because part of what I'm gifted to do is to to instruct people in their calling and to discern gifts and callings in people. And it never fails. Somebody will say something like, well, I would serve God, but yada, 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 yada. And I said, don't tell me, let me guess. I said, you got a dad who's a preacher, a mother who's a preacher, an uncle. Yeah, my granddaddy was a, uh-huh. I said, you're running from him. Just a thought. Well, see, them people will cave when they're captured. But the average person who has no inkling, you know, running from God, it's an awesome thing to know that God has called you to serve him. You got me? It's an awesome thing. Sometimes after you're called and you receive the call, you can look back and see. Like I can look back and look at my mother. Girl, you better. If that ain't prophetic, I don't know what is. You understand what I'm saying? My dad, too, he was a thinker, and he was a meditator, and he could come up with some very prophetic things. He could see things in you you didn't even know were there. You understand what I'm saying? And so even without training, you can the gift was evident in the both of them. You understand what I'm saying? And so when, when you see these things, you know that the gift is there, but the gift still has to be trained. You've got to learn to reverence God you got to learn what's what's holy and what's profane. You know, we're we're all like little uh <laughs> you ever had little puppies in your house? We had one. I mean, you know, I've I've had little small dogs. And you know how they'll be so hungry and little tails wagging, they step in the food, got the hand in the food and the foot in the water and you know, that's us when we first start. We don't know what's holy, we don't know what's not holy, we don't know how to treat the things of God. You know, I can remember being first saved, and I had problems. And everybody's prayer meeting I'd go to, I was right up there in the prayer line with my problems until I realized, why don't you ever just believe God is doing this for you, and you won't have to be, you know. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it, but sometimes you have to step back and understand some things about God. You know, if you've prayed, you know, you, this this meeting wasn't called so you can get all the attention in the place. You know, it's like you just think, oh, my, if the world's going to come to an end, if God doesn't do this before I go home, you know, that kind of stuff. And so you start learning. Everybody has things to learn. They really do. Many things to learn. And so in, in, I just feel like it seems now, or maybe I'm aware of it, but there's such a lack of reverence and respect for training you know in fact people are offended if you tell them uh you know i say well i'm called a prophet and can you tell me what i can do i said well we'll come to one of the meetings and you can hear what god does now oh okay you know everything but submit you know i don't want nothing from you you understand what i'm saying not really um i don't know you but I do know what God's called me to do. And so we see many, many people, you know, they seem interested in the things of God, but they want to pretend like they got it already. That's what I'm trying to get out of my mouth. 
You ever seen people like that going through emotions, form but no power? And you can't convince them that they're not on the right road. Brother, why don't you park your car for a minute? Huh? And come into the things of God for real. Reverence him. Respect him. He's God. His people. He don't put people out here for us to play with. We got to respect people just like we respect God. And if you respect people, you don't want to play with them and tell them, oh, God, he's going to heal you. You're already healed by his stripes. He ain't going to do nothing. He done done everything he going to do. It can be healed at any time. You receive it right there. If they put their faith out there, you done told them to delay and wait for it. Well, as you can see, I'm very passionate about it. (laughs) (laughs) Ticks me off. I don't like that plan. And sometimes people are ignorant and don't know. I was ignorant at one time. I thought all you had to do was repeat what you saw Jesus doing in the Bible and you get it. Well, then when it didn't happen, I said, oh, Lord, there's something wrong. You got to help me. Tell me how to get it. Because this ain't it. And I know it's not it. And they ain't healed either. You understand? They still sick. And he'll teach you. He's still teaching me. There's a lot of things I like to see God do. Haven't been done yet. And I'm just ornery enough to hang around to see them happen. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just want to see them happen. Because I know they're there. I know they're there in the spirit. I know they're available. It's just a matter of understanding how to get them into the natural realm. So that's why we have to be worshipers. You've got to reverence and respect God so that he can reverence and respect you and the call he's given you to do. The worst thing for a warrior is to go out the battle and get beat up. And the devil wants to do that to us badly. He really does. And so there's there have been times where I've been frustrated and couldn't get a breakthrough on certain things, but I knew it was there. God told me I had enough sense in God to understand it was there somewhere and that it had to come because God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Once he says a thing, he's going to do it. And so a worshiper has to have that high level of respect for God. We don't want to uh, offend him in doing things that are not uh, proper before him. So Moses had to be informed that God had consecrated the land where he appeared to him. He said, that ground's holy. Why? Because he's there, because God's there. Whenever God sets up his abode somewhere, that place is holy. It's sanctified unto him. In Exodus 17, we see the next step that people who were worshipers did. Exodus 17 and verse 15 It says, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And so Moses builds an altar. When a person builds an altar, that means that they have a permanent connection to that God. That means that I'm establishing a relationship between me and God. 
Now, we don't do that now. We don't have set altars, but there are times where we may want to consecrate a place where we meet God, uh, uh, in, you know, and not in front of the TV, you know, or the radio or something. Just have a, a set-aside place, or uh, the altar really is our hearts now. New Covenant altar, the altar where you can meet God anytime is in your heart. So you become the temple of God. And the altar dwells within you. And give God freedom to move about in the temple, to tell the temple what to do, to orchestrate things in your life. All That's part of reverencing God. That's part of worshiping God. And so when, when Israel built natural altars, those were places where God had met them. And what they were saying is, I want you to meet me again. And they would come back to that place, offer the proper sacrifice, and then God would either, um, uh, uh, the smoke would ascend to heaven and they got a sign that God was accepting that. But God would speak to them often in signs and sometimes in an audible voice. So he built an altar to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob. And so he was able to uh, meet with God on a regular at that place. He began to find that there were other names of God besides Jehovah Nisi. Amen. And so uh, in Genesis 12, you'll see the same thing with Abraham. He built altars to the Lord. In fact, that was why uh, we refer to um, the faith that we have as a faith of Abraham. Amen. In Genesis 12 and verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, Unto your seed I will give this land. And there builded he an altar to the Lord who appeared to him there. And so people who are reverent of God, they will set up uh, kind of like landmarks in their mind or, or uh, places of contact with God. Now, in in our busy schedules, it's important for us to set aside a time to be with God. Don't let it go too many days without you. And sometimes opening your Bible is your altar. That's your point of contact where you meet God. Sometimes you have a specific place in your home where you, you know it's quiet and you can go there uh, with Many times with women who have small children, it's the sink where the dishes are. Or if you got real small ones, it's the bathroom if you can lock them out for about 10 minutes. And you understand what I'm saying? You, you, you got a portable altar. It has to be portable. But you have to have that time with God. Uh, if you reverence or respect somebody, they expect time. You can't be a clock watcher and serve God. You've got to give it time. And sometimes, uh, now I've noticed this about myself. Sometimes I'll have, uh, say, like call a prayer partner. And, you know, you chat and discuss how your day was, blah this, blah that, blah that. And it seems sometimes that I'm taking too much time with the chit-chat small stuff. And I know it's because once I give myself over to intercession, it's over. You know what I mean? It's like your flesh is kind of like there's that veil there. 
and your flesh wants to keep control over the situation because you know once god gets you started you gone you don't get to call time you don't get to stop you don't get to you know what i'm saying it's just and and i used to feel like well i shouldn't do that because i should want to pray you know how you do the shoulds on yourself and and i realized it wasn't that i didn't want to pray i was putting off getting into that realm and that flow because i I just knew i did not lose control once i got over there i don't know if that makes sense to you but you know you got to stay in that flow and stay in that spirit of intercession until it lifts and then you can go do something else i guess is that we don't like losing control or whatever it is but there is a god takes over element of your relationship where you know if you yield to him, you got to stay in that until he tells you, you understand what I'm saying, to, to withdraw from that place where you are. And so Abraham built altars to the Lord because he was committed to God. And, and worshipers are committed, dedicated people. They don't just flow in and out. and You're not worshiping so that you have fun and have a good time. You're worshiping because you expect God to give you some kind of a deposit. There's a a holy transfer that goes on there. It's more than some kind of quickening or a goose bump. There's an exchange of life. You let go of some of you, and he fills that up with some of him. And so worship really transforms people. If you'll if you'll walk in that, you know, you're to come away with something that you take with you and you continue to walk in it, period. You don't want to, I mean, it's not the same thing. Now, there are levels of, of, I guess you can say, yielding to the Spirit and levels of walking in the Spirit. And so there is a walk-around presence of God, I guess you could say. There's different flows of the spirit you know the bible says out of your innermost being will flow flow rivers more than one of living water and so worship is a river prayer is a river amen and and a healing's a river see there are different rivers that flow out of us and so and i think presence is a river too where you can walk in a continual I call a low grade, even though you shouldn't say that, but it's not like uh, it's something you could step in and out of kind of easily. It's not like intercession where if you give yourself over to it, you don't get released until God releases you. But there is a walking with God and walking in the spirit that we can attain to so that God is close to you at all times. He's not, you know, you don't just go tie one on and get way over in the flesh you know you know what i'm saying it's a yielding to god because you have been invited there and you have graciously accepted his invitation amen most of us would be hell on wheels if we didn't yield to god some kind of way you know what i'm saying we'd just be rough and we we think we are okay but without his presence it's not okay you know we're living so much in the presence of god most of the time most of us that we don't remember what really we were like.
before and you don't want to. And so God does tremendous things to us in, in that exchange and worship. Okay? Jacob also built an altar to God. It's in Genesis 33:20. So he got that from his dad, Abraham. So here we see the generations of worshipers coming into the world. And that's what God wanted. He wanted Abraham to command his family. Remember that? He said, how can I hide this? Shall I hide what I'm going to do from Abraham, seeing as how he will? I know him. I know. I know. What does he know about you? Let him know you're going to command your family to go after and follow after God. Amen. Praise God. Then you see Isaac, the third generation. In Genesis 26, 25, Isaac built an altar to God. So here we have generations of worshipers. Make sure your children are born again. And follow up on being born again. Teach them out of the word. Teach them, you know, put a little extra effort in. And teach them out out of the word. Teach them to pray. When they're small, grab hands with them or whatever you do to show them how to agree in prayer. You know, let's pray for what you need. Let me bless you before you go out of this house, that kind of stuff. Instruct them. You have to instruct. Instruct means you have to keep at it till they get it. See, most, most people's children try to wear them out, you know. Or you just keep resisting until you get tired and then you quit. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that. If you're an instructor, you keep teaching till they get it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes it's right at the um, I give up point <laughs> that the breakthrough comes. Or if you're a quitter, one who quits real quick, you just have to grow up yourself. You know, tough it out. Amen. This is what parenting really is about now. Amen. It's instructing your children, making sure they get it because they can get it. And you can't let them skip any lessons. Amen. They can't skip in God and be successful in life. They just have to get it. Amen. They must get it. So, so Abraham, we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob building altars to the Lord. They're, they knew that their covenant was in force as long as they built an altar and worshiped God regularly. You must have an in force covenant to be a warrior for God. In us, our altar, we say, is in our hearts, but it is a, it can be a place you set aside to meet with God. It can be a physical place, place within us. It's got to be within. It can be without sometimes, but within. Like when you come into church, when you come into service, you know, you can put off put off what you talk about in the streets. You know, it's, just put that off until God is done with you. There are many times where you can, if you take God, let, let me just give you an example. For instance, when we have we have lunch after service, Sometimes if you can keep in that, that what I call low-level presence, 
just just have, keep that awareness of God. Don't want to be the one that says something that everybody thinks is controversial, you know, at the lunch table or something. Now, I'm not listening to nobody. I'm not, you know, throwing no shade. So Amen. that's your shade, you you know what I'm saying. But anyway, we we have to to and if you can hold on to that reverence of God as long as you can you'll find that God does wonderful things among the saints even after the preaching's over and after the altar calls over after you the fellowship with one another that's where we grow in a certain other level you know it, what did Jesus say when when uh, Lazarus came out he said y'all take them grave clothes that's not God's job it's the job of the church to unwrap one another of our bondage and our fears and our craziness and our scared to go home because somebody mad at us when we left all that crazy stuff that stuff gets unwound off you in fellowship if it's spiritual fellowship and you know what i mean when i say spiritual you know there's a, a a respect there's a humility that goes back and forth you know it's just it's there I, I i i wish there was more of it especially among ministers you know they're the worst of the bunch i should say we're the worst but uh, you know it's just a different story but god was ministering to me about the alabaster box and um I was talking because I was mad about something. Well, not mad, but, you know, I just, yeah, I was mad. (laughs) Judge me. I don't care. But, But when I would have ministers come for conference, we would have fellowship together. And I was just appalled. They just name dropped. You've been to so-and-so's church. Oh, did you hear about this gossiping about you? Anybody could tear anybody down there. And I'd be so grieved. I was so mad at them. I said, I'm going to take my food back. <laughs> y'all get up from here. That's what y'all going to do. Get out. Everybody get out. Get the whip. Get the whip out. And the Lord told me, he said, break open the alabaster box. You know what that is? That's precious. You know what? He said, this time is supposed to be precious between ministers because you're the people who have the strength of God for leadership in you. He said, and if you would break open the alabaster box and let the spirit of God and his fragrance permeate this room, he said, you could grow in the anointing. You could grow in the things of God. That was where Jesus fed the disciples the pure nuggets of he answered their deepest questions he got all the confusion straightened out he gave them the the ins and the outs of ministry uh, jesus why couldn't we cast him out he said i'll tell you come back i'm gonna break open the alabaster box and you will find out everything you need to know but what do we do we go talk about somebody so we never share the things related to ministry jesus never gets loosed among his leadership well, I told it. I shouldn't tell it, but I don't know if I should tell it or not, but I told it. Because it's not right. It's improper. It's improper to use the time, precious time God has set aside for us to free each other up, instruct each other, help each other. 
they all want to get another business card. Do you know so-and-so? And they give you the card. If you know them, ask them to let me come over and preach. That's not the place to set up your next place to minister. You don't even know you're going to live long enough to get there. Now, I'm not going to refer a gossiper anywhere. Cause more trouble. I didn't mean to put a damper on the worship teaching, but you understand what I'm saying? The fragrance of God permeates everywhere we go. If we let him out, let him run stuff for a change. Let him do things. Let him do what he needs to do. You know, you can be in the presence of the next great somebody and have an opportunity to share some things with them and and impart knowledge and understanding and encouragement and wisdom to one another, but we're so busy trying to one-up one another. Maybe want to shut it down. Y'all give my food back. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's really a waste. So anyway, I'm not going to tell you what I did. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I know. Well, I was hard getting the jar open that night, but <laughs> no, I'm messing with y'all. I don't even remember to be honest with you, but it flipped over and God showed up. The conversation did. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. Somebody came in and said, it might have been Pastor Shirley, might have been Nola, somebody. I think it was Hurricane Katrina. And we were praying every night after service then. And they're sitting up there eating, might as well have been drinking and smoking, you know, and uh, talking about everybody. And somebody, I think it was Nola, came in. They said, were you on your way to you in a hurry? No, we got to go pray. And God, like, boom, sat right in the middle of everything. You got me? And they got convicted and scattered. Well, I guess I'll go to my room. Yeah, I know, because you ain't going nowhere to pray. Okay, I'm done with that. Moving right along. But, But that reverend, we've got to know God opportunities when they come. We can't afford to treat them like we've been treating them. So don't be so quick to jump over in the flesh. You know, be glad when service is over so I can talk about somebody. Let's grow up in the things of God. See? And see, a lot of sheep aren't even don't even have that mentality. I don't know why leaders can't fight it, but somehow, you know what I'm saying? So uh, you're, to keep your covenant in force, there are some things that I wrote these down. Is uh, Number one, go to God first. <laughs> man hasten to his throne number two go to god not just for your needs go there to worship him and take some time and say father i thank you for being god thank you lord bless you praise your holy name thank you lord for being my god my maker and my creator i couldn't do anything without you lord number three let god direct your interaction don't get nervous when it's quiet and have to blurt out a prophecy. Don't prophesy to God. <laughs> I don't know how you take it. You gotta wait on the word of the Lord, you know. Well, you know, we have a lot of that sometimes. Remember the charismatic days where the 
not so holy hush would come and 15 people that came just to the meeting to tell everybody they were going to hell would speak up so let god direct the interaction serve god and then get your servant orders god will tell you what he's got in store for you and tell you what's coming next it's all good let's put it to you that way don't ever be afraid of what god might tell you you get your servant orders from worship that way you know god has sovereign control over the interaction And God will give you instructions and the promise of results. If you look at his first encounter with Moses, he pretty much ran down Moses' whole ministry in one encounter. He says, you're you're going to stand before Pharaoh. You're going to bring the people right back to this mountain to worship me. And all these people are going to come back with you. Well, God, how can I do that? I don't know. I don't know, you know, basic Heb, you know, and know how to talk. He wasn't fluent in the Hebrew language. So God gave him interpreter. God has everything set up for all your equipment you need. He's got. He's already made provision for it. Amen. He knew exactly what Moses needed. And he said, okay, if you don't want to talk to him directly, I'll let your brother interpret the hard stuff. But you going. You got me? You don't have any choice to not go once you say yes to God. And if you try to say no to him, that mandate to go serve hangs over you. I'd rather be in it than have it haunt me and have it bug me. So get in it and trust him for the rest of it. Amen. You don't have to know everything first blush but he did inform Moses everything that he was going to do. So understand your responsibility versus God's responsibility I told you about the bishop in Nigeria that he said God kept telling him I have not told you to pay for anything I said I told you to believe so go get in your Bible because that makes it easy for you to believe you fill yourself with the word of God don't abandon his written word for an audible voice You've got to have something from the written word to validate the voice that you hear. And that's not superior in any way. Uh, When you can validate things in the mouth of two or three witnesses, that's when it's established. So don't grab one word and run off with it, you know. Worshippers serve God first, not themselves. We live off the fruit of our lives. So fruit should be sufficient. You know, as you come to understand God and trust him, you'll find that you're not so much often asking, asking, asking for things, but you kind of walk in a confidence that it's provided. That's faith also. Where you can have confidence that it's provided and you can start thanking God for it. Amen. You just thank him for what he has already given you. 
even under the old covenant you would see god says go up to jericho i have given you i've given it to you already i've given you the city amen so when god tells you about something it's a done deal already he's not going to tell you about it and then then later on you come back and say well i don't have it yet yeah you know what you poor thing i didn't mean it i didn't say you i gave it gave it to you you know he's not like that once he says something it's done man proverbs 3 9 tells us to give god the first fruits of our increase if you've got strength to get up in the morning give god the first fruit of that if you have what your finances give him the first fruits of your finances I used to tell this joke. I said, I've never heard anybody say, I'll be glad when I get paid so I can give God a tenth. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but you can start thinking like that. It's not impossible. If you think about him first and offer up the first, you know what an offering is? It's, uh, it's, in, in, it's in your heart you desire god to have it in your heart you thank god for it in your heart you have the presence of god over it that means that you acknowledge him first in everything see and and then he will show up and begin to direct you and begin to help you all of those things let me turn to proverbs 3 i don't want to skip over things that i wrote down hmm. proverbs 3 9 it says honor the lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase and your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine Amen. so if you honor god say god i give you the first tenth if you're shy about 10 percent, you know get what you're comfortable with but always look to do more you know always look to do more you can do more in god you know so i noticed one time i was shy about giving the tenth and then if i would look back and count up what i gave it was more you know didn't want to give it up front you kind of let so i learned how to give it up front because there's more faith on it when you do it that way so so we have an enforced covenant when we honor him and serve him give to him first Give him the first of everything, first of your thoughts, your words, your time. Acknowledge him. God claims the first. Hmm. Anyway, the Bible says, especially in offspring, you know, the first that opens the matrix of the womb belongs to God. People who would 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 be big uh, cattle producers like Abraham was. He had Bible says he was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, land. Why? You saw what he did when he ran into Melchizedek, the high priest of God. He offered a tenth of everything that he got in that war. Amen. Some people say, oh, he was in war. He shouldn't have given it. That's how they got money. They found people and took it from them. I'm just real sorry. You know, what do you think people fight over? They put an ideology behind it, but trust me, 
if somebody oh well i'm a new ager and i want to fight the christians yeah but if christians got some money somewhere you're gonna take that with your ideological self that's what they sell to the common everyday people you go out on to cuba and see what them castros got tell me they they believe in communism no they believe in jacking you up and taking what's yours it's like all the rest of them do man this that ism is just something they tell you to blow your mind so you can think you're fighting for something noble huh thank you mr gary huh? what is what they tell you we believe in this and we believe in that you help yourself i believe in the one true and living god and you ain't getting my stuff huh religious cults the first thing they do when you join up you got to sign everything and don't talk to your family no more because we found the truth and that's what they do they want to talk you out of the truth yeah but why does the truth have to be funded with everything i own i can't keep some of that for myself Or, or the Muslims, you know, they uh, they want to kill for their God. Listen, we serve the God who kills and makes alive. If he want to kill somebody, he don't need me to do it. He do it himself. My God hires hit people too. Let's let's just be wise, folks. Come on now. God won't twist your arm for the tithe. You know, you can't really see it in the New Testament as a command like it is in the Old with a curse behind it because there's no curse on the New Testament, which should make it easier to give, which should not limit us to 10%. We can do more because of faith. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, you get the essence of it. You know, I'm going to keep moving with this because I want to get through it. So when God... uh, uh, when we interact with God in worship and reverence, we let him direct our interaction. You'll find out some interesting things that God might want to tell you when you don't talk so much. For instance, Moses listened first and then he talked. He built up a relationship. So we'll serve God and get our servant orders. Joshua got orders for service from god joshua 1 chapter 1 and verse 8 it was a key to his success in fact god told joshua this one two three four five four times in the the same uh, first chapter of joshua 1 he says god reiterates he tells him, my servant Moses is dead. I'm putting you in his place. Don't worry. When I put you in a position, I give you just as much power, authority, and ability as I did the last guy. God does not diminish because of who you are. He sees you with a job to do. So you get full equipment. Why is that important? Second people second in command or heirs tend to look at the people that they're following is, is you know with awe like 
I couldn't possibly get that wise in God or that powerful or that whatever it is. You know, it's just common. But God reassures Joshua. He says, just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. Verse 5, there shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life, even when you get old and you think you're feeble and you don't want to fight anymore. Nobody will be able to stand before you. When you're too young to understand what warfare is, no man will be able to stand before you. That's why they try to kill. You see it over and over in the Bible, murdering uh, God's people as babies. Why? Because they're powerful. They're just as much a threat in the crib and easier to kill. You got me? Don't let them grow up and start really learning how to do something. So that's the strategy. That's why people get discouraged from coming to church when they're baby Christians. See, we think we're supposed to have it easy because we're new at it. You have it tougher then because you got to show God you really mean business. You really to tough it out. Then you'll find out you were the one with the chip on your shoulder and didn't like nobody. So you learn how to keep your mouth shut. when you. I'm just going to have to pray this one through, God, because I know you sent me here. Hello. See, that's the day you grow up. huh? That's when you get grown. <laughs> so Joshua gets orders for his service to God. God said, nobody's going to stand before you. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, and verse 18, the same thing. Only, this is your only condition, and it's really related to faith. Be strong and of good courage. Is there good courage and bad courage? Uh, You better believe it. Bad courage is the fleshly stuff. We see it all the time. Going to cast the devil out of somebody and, uh, yeah, God, I got a deliverance ministry. Okay. I have a full gospel ministry, but. We'll let you do what you do. What is the anointing? What did Jesus say the anointing is in Luke chapter 4? Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. If it's the spirit of the Lord God, because he has anointed me to do what? About four different things. Preach the gospel to the poor. Recovering of sight to the blind. That means open people's eyes. Heal the brokenhearted, healing, bind up their wounds. Hello. So it's a it's a minute it's an anointing that does more than just cast devils out of people. We don't need any specialty ministries around. Now, you may have a calling to function in a a specific realm, but really that anointing is there. You know, the healing might be at the forefront, but the casting out devils is in there, too. And, you know, somebody come up there that's got a devil and they want to be healed. Amen. But you don't just get to cast devils out and leave people sick if you say you're serving God. He won't let you do that. And I don't feel sorry for ignorant people. Listen, this is the most sold book in the history of books. The least read probably in the history of books. 
so everybody can afford one they got them on the tablet on the internet they got bibles everywhere there's no excuse for that so our responsibility as warriors is to arise and put on strength amen and to be strong at all times bad courage is courage in the flesh and having a pet thing that you like to do because you think it makes you look powerful (laughs) scared of your own shadow the strength we take on is god's strength and we are in his presence we are transformed we're different some people are more adamant See, people think, you think when you're in God's presence, you're nice all the time. And there's niceness, you know what I'm saying, comforting, the Holy Spirit. But then there's devils out here. Somebody's got to take authority over devils and walk in a place where they're not bothered by them and the people around them bothered by them either. You understand what I'm saying? You have to walk in authority over all the works of darkness or you're missing something i remember norval hayes gave a testimony about uh, a young man that got in some trouble he had just gotten his driver's license and his parents told him not to go anywhere and he was uh he let some friends talk him into going somewhere well they robbed a store and killed somebody he's in prison for life you got me and the parents called normal i don't know why this happened to us we raised him as a good christian boy he loves the lord he said normal said did you ever tell him about the devil how to resist the devil how to stay under your parents authority and don't disobey them for anything that's where the devil gets you over in his territory you understand what i'm saying and so don't get lopsided in your understanding of how god does things amen some anointings do register fear in the hearts of people that's still true you got me some people exude power their presence exudes power it's not all you know somebody you can go up to and slap and they turn the other cheek kind of thing you wouldn't do that to god and his presence is on people like brother summerall you know he was the most feared minister in a respectful way but people didn't say a lot of nonsense in front of him they got rebuked like i heard somebody say we were in a a meeting with brother summerall and some young pastors were trying to impress him like he don't know the difference and asked him uh oh what do you do about jet lag he said i shot him years ago and the guy went from that tall to like that big and hiked back up in his seat and sat down for the rest of the meeting didn't open his mouth and so uh it, it's just like some people don't have time to waste you understand what i'm saying don't waste time but sometimes when you're in the presence of people who have knowledge above yours it's good to just be quiet and listen and see what they might <laughs> you know what i'm saying see what they might tell you amen you have to understand how to how to do things i remember i was at a meeting who was that peter 
the Canadian guy. Younger, yeah. He was preaching, and I was looking, and I kept looking at his handkerchief. He kept wiping sweat with his handkerchief. And so you know how some people do when their meetings are over. They usher people in and usher them out, you know, that kind of stuff. Sometimes you have to do that. But for the most part, you know, you don't have to make but they, you know, ushers, this is an important man of God, usher him out. And so I noticed his wife at the time, Roxanne. I remembered her now. I used to pray for her. I said, Lord, bless Miss Roxanne. But she she was still there at the altar, and I went up. All the ushers had gone because, you know, these people tackle you if you ain't careful. You know, they just crazy like that. They are. It's stupid. They don't have know how to treat God's people. But I kept looking at it, and I was, was praying that God would make a way for me to ask for it. And I went up to her, and I told her, I said, my husband has had some mouth surgery. I said, and we're praying for him, but I said, he's not being healed. I said, his healing hasn't come yet. I said, he is diabetic. And I said, I just think I get, if I get Brother Peter's handkerchief, can you get that for me? And she said, wait here went right and got it i gave it put it on my husband he was healed when he went back to the dentist you understand what i'm saying see god will make a way for you amen if you reverence god in the things of god there are certain people that carry certain anointings no fail anointings like that it's awesome awesome and the devil's on them all the time trust me so pray for him So Joshua then is told this over and over again. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people you will divide the inheritance of the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Same promise over and over again. And so he's telling Joshua. So those are Joshua's marching orders. Do what I tell you to do. Be strong. Don't look at these. Don't look in doubt. That you can do this. Don't look at the size of the enemy. Be strong. Hold on to what I've told you. And you will see these devils fall one by one by one. Amen. So we take on God's strength in the worship. When we talk to God, that interchange between us and God, we take on his strength. We take on whatever we need of him to stand in the battle. We're transformed in his presence. Exalting him allows him to give us who he is, what he is, and equip us. That's why when you pray uh, here and pray prayers, one person reads, the other one prays in tongues. Why? To keep the presence of God near. A totally English prayer is a toughie to get that you know i mean you don't have the most holy faith you would have if you're praying in the spirit and and it keeps your balance in the spirit keeps it that anointing from lifting off of you and then bouncing back down and then you start hearing stuff you're not supposed to hear so exalting him allows him to give us what he is and equip us for war amen you're equipped when you come out of worship joshua 5:13 Joshua has an encounter with God. How am I doing on time? Somebody tell me what I got left. Oh, I can kill a devil in nine minutes. <laughs> That's what you, where was that? 513, Joshua 513. Yeah, you're supposed to kill him. 
I like them nervous, and I like them invisible, but not real loud. You know what I'm saying? Keep them at a distance. It says, came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And this is how you know God sends you what you need. Because Joshua was the leader of the nation of Israel. God had given him instructions and given him commands and told him everything. But when he goes to this man, he says, well, I'm in charge here. Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, neither one. You ain't in charge. Hello? Now, you can be the leader, but you ain't in charge. The Bible says he gives his angels charge over us. So the angels are in charge. He says, neither one, but I am captain of the host of the Lord. I am come as the captain. Joshua, you just Joshua. But I'm the captain. So this is why you can be of good courage. This is why you can be strong in this. Because you ain't doing this. You're the instrument God's using. Amen. And you are anointed to do the job. But you ain't in charge. You may be large, but you ain't in charge. Got me? Don't get it twisted. Hmm? Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and that proved it. You in charge, Joshua. Why you bowing down? Mm -hmm. He had come into the presence, amen, and did worship him. And he says, what do you have to say to your servant? In other words, when you meet the greater one, you know what to do. It's automatic. And actually, to be honest with you, Joshua was probably looking for some more help. You got me? He knew he needed it. And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, take your shoes off for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So so they would have these holy transactions at different times. So equipping you for war and helping you to understand that you are the winner is a holy thing. Because there's no other war down here except God's war. I don't care who's fighting. I don't care what they're fighting for. I don't care how long they've been fighting. All wars are God's war. It's good against evil. Evil just takes on a different cloak. And then God will start to call up the people that he needs to call up to do battle for him. Amen. Joshua 6, you'll see they got their instructions for the first battle they went to at Jericho. It says Jericho was on lockdown because of the children of Israel. They were scared of him. So you got to know that about the devil. Never forget he's scared of you. You know what our problem is? We see flesh and blood and we never see the troublemaker behind it. We get stuck on people. They ain't right. They don't treat me right. That's the devil telling you that. Amen. Who you treating right? See, you should never worry about how people treat you because you're on the spot for how you treat them. Because you got to answer to God. You don't know who they got to answer to. I know this much. I got to love you, forgive you. 
and go buy you a gift <laughs> if God tells me to. Huh? And I better not grumble about it. Huh? Be just as generous and sweet as I can be. Huh? Care what you do to me. I have to love you. It's commanded. So Jericho is on lockdown because of them. And this is why it takes persistence in prayer and determination to see God's word come to pass. Because the enemy is not giving up. Jericho became a stronghold. They couldn't have penetrated that wall just in normal human strength. They could have banged on that wall for the seven days they marched around it, and it wouldn't have given in. They had ambushments on both sides. They had an impenetrable wall. Amen? Walls are for protection, folks. You understand what I'm saying? You keep out what you don't want out. And so they become strongholds because of walls. And the devil don't want you to have nothing. That's why the first time you hit him, he act like you're stunned. <laughs> oh, God, I bound the devil, and he kept doing what he was doing. Huh? I don't want you to get in. Huh? And God lets him because God wants to see if you got real faith. See, we all got that slap you and run in the house faith. Remember that? Then when you got in the house, you said, dang, I got to go back out again. I'm going to get out the house now. They looking for me. Huh? <laughs> I was one time, I thought, I told y'all this before, I thought I'd get cute and slap my husband. And he slapped me back. And I said, I don't think I brought enough with me <laughs> to take care of this. You know, he dished out a little bit more than I was packing to take care of. Huh? You can get, you know, and I decided, I said, well, I won't get emotional like that again. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? You, you, under, you learn some manner. We were dating then, you know. Was a lot of fights after that. No, but you know what I'm saying. You learn. You said, oh, I don't have to hit people. And <laughs> I can talk to people. I don't have to hit nobody. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. Huh? <laughs> but God wants to see if we're going to be persistent. One time faith, anybody can do that. This was Israel's problem. They never possessed all the land because they didn't like that they had to fight over and over and over again. I remember when I started this ministry, I was, you know, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. I don't care. I'll be behind the scenes. I'll be this. I'll be that. Oh, you don't have to do this. I don't have to do it. And he said, well, I'll give you a ministry to do. And he says, I'm giving this to you to do because I can't find Many people who will study war. And I said, oh, study. Yes. Study war. Well, I like the Bible. I like the No, study war. Huh? We moved to Detroit. Every devil in hell came to every meeting we had when we first got started. I mean, the witches came out. Then the witch's mother came out. And the pastor's wife, who was a witch, came out. And 
You understand what I'm saying? It was witches everywhere. Huh? Well, certain anointings draw them. And I'm not saying they all do. Certain ones do. When you're called to make an impact in the city and God anoints you to stay there and not move until his enemies are made his footstool, the devil is not going to just let you do that. Pretty soon they learn. They keep it comfortable. They get tired of getting beat upside the head. And they'll take it. But God wants to see if I was going to stay. Uh-huh. And duke it out with the devil. And we still got to be mean and kick them out. I want to be nice to everybody. At the, You understand that's where sometimes I'll look at Nola and I'll say, and she'll look at me like, We'll be that, what are we going to do? And I'm like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, what are we going to, well, kick them out. You know, what else are we going to do? You got to get rid of people like that. Amen. And time after time after time, I've seen it over and over again. Once you tell them that's not proper, you see the angriest. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? They said his visage changed when they, you know, when they said we're not going to bow. That they get the ugliest, meanest, and want to tell you off, point your finger at you, and tell you what that, and then so-and-so knows I'm a woman of God. Well, go get your own meeting, woman of God. You pay for flyers and have people passing them out in the cold weather. You get speakers and you pay for them and house them for three and four days and don't complain about what they eat or what they spend. You go do all of that. You do whatever you want to do. But it never, it never stops. <laughs> we want it to stop bad. You know, you, and then they cause a scene. They want your meeting to be known as the meeting that's rough and nasty and, you know, after everybody's been ministered to. You understand what I'm saying? But God, man, but God, you just have to, you have to dance with the one that brung you to the dance, you know. So warfare brought us to the dance, so that's what we're going to stay with. Why do we quit? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we are changed in your holy presence, Lord. Thank you also for the time of fellowship to come. Bless our bread and our water. Take sickness from the midst of us as we partake of your provision. We thank you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs